And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including hosts Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Today, we have the privilege of delving into the intricate dynamics of courage with none other than a world-renowned, the world-renowned performance psychologist, the retired chairman, CEO, and co-founder of the Human Performance Institute, which is now under the aegis of Johnson & Johnson, Dr. Jim Lair. Today, Jim and I are going to explore the rarest of human qualities, courage, its costs in today's tumultuous environment, and also what life will give you in return for a little courage. Uh, welcome back, Jim. Thank you. This is uh, Jim's uh, third time to be with us, and we're really uh, honored to have you back again. I'm very honored to be back. I always enjoy our conversations, Tom. You uh, you really bring out, I think, some really important dimensions of the areas that I, I hope are really interesting to your audience. And um, it's always a pleasure to participate with you. Well, thank you. So to get started and to establish some context, remind everyone, why was the Human Performance Institute created and what does the Institute do? Well, um, I joined forces with uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Jack Groppel, who had his PhD in bioengineering, and we decided we were going to develop a science-based for-profit company that would specialize in high-performance venues, um, where there really is a, a, a great deal on the line if you don't perform. And we were trying to get individuals and teams to perform to the highest level possible in high stress, extreme environments. We worked with 17 number ones in the world in sport. We worked with Army, Special Forces, military applications, uh, FBI anti-terrorist teams, the Blue Angels precision flying team, all kinds of very, very uh, demanding venues. And it was a living lab for me. We, uh, we sold it eventually to Johnson & Johnson, but it was the greatest period of my life for learning and we learned a lot about, you know, what, what does it take physically, emotionally, mentally, even spiritually for people to kind of break through and go to the very top of the pyramid with what they have. And I feel very grateful to have been part of that. Our faculty was probably the most renowned faculty that anyone could have in a high-performance arena. We had a former commander of the SEALs, former commander of the Blue Angels, um, an elite instructor at the Air Force Academy, um, fighter pilot. Uh, we had gold medalists like Dan Jansen and silver medalists uh, like Paul Wiley. We had an amazing faculty. And when they got up in front of a group to try to help them perform under the crucible high stress arena, people listened because they'd been there. So it was a big part of my life. I miss it. I kind of wish I'd never sold the company because every day I would come 
we would have these amazing superstars, race car drivers. We had Pete Sampras and Jim Courier in tennis trained there when they were both number one in the world. I mean, everywhere you went, we had a nine-acre campus, and it was uh, it was a dream come true for me. So in that environment and with your background, uh, I am sure you gained some thoughts around the subject today, which is courage. And let's start out a little bit. And what is courage? So it's so interesting how a performance psychology would end up, you know, in this character of courage space. And I still have to pinch myself. Um, but we collected, I'm a data guy. I love, you know, data sets. I love to keep track of mountains of data that helped us navigate and do the right thing at the right time with these um, extraordinary athletes and teams. And what we came to was that sustainability in any high performance arena is related to what I call the hidden scorecard, which is a card that no one thinks about, but it's really the basis of your what I would call your personal credo, what you've come to believe and to what extent are you aligning your life and your energy with what you kind of hold to be the most important dimensions, stakes in the ground for you. And what we ultimately found was that the most important uh, were what we called moral and ethical character strengths. This is integrity, honesty, it's uh, humility, um, it's the ability to connect and care about others genuinely, whether it's on a SEAL Team 6 or whether it's uh, in a corporate venue, relationship uh, an athlete has with a coaching team around them with parents. We found this to be a, an extraordinarily important um, area. And then I was always confused when coaches would say, well, our players really showed some character tonight in, in the game. And I go, character? What the hell is character? So I started my own little search. And at the Institute, we did a lot of digging. And first of all, we came to understand it's a very complex, multi-dimensional construct. Uh, even though people tend to think of it as this kind of, and I'll go through a few of the definitions that we looked at, but it's complicated, but it's true The, you know, this notion of the cost of courage has two ends. One, the cost is the cost to you personally, if you execute and do what you believe is the right thing, there may be a dear cost to you. And then there is a huge cost, potentially, if you don't do what you believe is right and you compromise whatever the decision was or you don't act on it. And so it's a two-edged sword. You have to be very careful how uh, we approach it. But, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of courage. People refer to courage as physical courage, or emotional courage, or mental courage, or spiritual courage. Again, this notion of doing the right thing. Um, social courage, what's the right thing to do in this, to have courage to do something in a social context you feel is really right. Intellectual courage, you know, it's like to break the boundaries and actually go in to pursue something that you really believe needs to be looked at, but you know, you're going to get the, the the real 
community of authorities may be jumping all over you because you shouldn't even be thinking those thoughts. You know, there might be a high price. And then there's competitive courage. So, you know, you start looking at some of these definitions, somebody like Aristotle defined uh, courage as a rationally determined mean between between foolishness and and really uh cowardice so foolishness where it's really you just kind of think about cowardice and foolishness it's the mean of those that's what aristotle thought that's an interesting deal but it doesn't tell us a whole lot well, let's let's hold that thought we're going to come back uh, in a moment with jim lair this is tom laurie and you're listening to the mentors radio show And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Roy. Today, we are with the retired chairman and CEO and co-founder of J&J's Human Performance Institute, Dr. James Lair. So you were uh, talking about the various types of courage and what Aristotle had to say. Yeah, so it's interesting what he had to say is this rationally determined mean between cowardice and foolishness and that isn't really helpful as far as i'm concerned but he gave some thought to it you know that he really was thinking about it and then hemingway with the brilliant hemingway he said we probably all heard this it's grace under pressure well that again when we look at all the research that's been done and what we discovered at the institute that that's interesting it's kind of uh you know fun to think about in a way but doesn't add a lot. But then there was a couple researchers by the name of McCain and Sutler, and uh, um, and they defined it as an act that risks personal injury for the sake of others. And that began to resonate a little bit. Um, I wrote a book called um, The Only Way to Win. And the only way to win is to win with character and the only way to lose. And that was a big big part of my career in the end of my career at the Institute where we began to focus on this character issue. And then I wrote another book called Leading with Character. And that's where I really got into these issues of deeply into the character issues. But uh, that one made sense with McCain and then Woodard, the ability to act for a noble cause in spite of a perceived threat. So we're starting to get some understanding about the components. And then a guy by the name of Gould revealed that for him, there were three things that were necessary. Fear, which I'm not necessarily in agreement with, an appropriate action, you have to take action. And then you have to have a higher purpose, a noble purpose that you're fighting for. So my definition, after all the work we did at the Institute, was simply this, to act in accordance with what you believe is right, despite any risk or negative consequences to you or others. So it's really about, first of all, two things are necessary. You have to know what you believe is right, and um, then you have to be willing to act on that. And those two components are not easy. Um, You have to have a noble cause, there's probably risk to you or others. And um, 
it's kind of an intentional act. I mean, it's not something you just kind of never even think about. It's something you've either trained for or intentionally uh, going to put the stake in the ground. And then you have to act. And if you don't act, that's uh, a failure of uh, of courage. So you have to determine what is the right thing to do here. And that is not easy. That is really the hardest part of the formula for most people. And then the second one, even this is what I know I should do. Can I, will I do it? I, I know I should do this, but there's a great risk to me or others. And so I, I spent a lot of time and then I'll stop and we can talk about it, but just to kind of get these things on the table so we can have a discussion. How do you determine what's the right thing to do? Um, I call it your personal credo. In our whole life, we should be working on getting our core beliefs, our core values. What do you most importantly stand for? You have to have a reference for making decisions that are difficult. And uh, Leading with Character actually is a book that was all about how we did this with, you know, really, we, we did this for 10 years with all kinds of people and tracked them and try to help them develop this inner core that they relied on. And it really has a number of dimensions. One is, what does your head say about it? Your, your bright brain, your analytic brain. What are the facts here? Let's just start with that. What are the facts? And try not to allow facts to be colored. What are the things that are indisputable before you make your decision the right thing to do? And then the next asset is your heart. What does your heart say? It's called the empathy circuit. It's really getting into the shoes of others. It's treating others the way you would like to be treated. And that's an asset just like the facts. Here are the facts. Here, um, here's what my heart, this very powerful circuit that puts me in the shoes of others, to care about others. And then there's another incredibly important uh, asset that we have that has been honed over thousands of years, and it's called intuition, our gut. What does your gut tell you is the right thing to do? And so you have three assets to check, and then and then there's this spiritual connection. What are what does your credo say? This document that you've been putting together since you've been old enough to start formulating ideas about values and goodness. And so if you kind of do your homework and you vet, what are the facts? What does my heart say? What uh, What is my gut? What's my intuition on this decision? And then what is my you know, my value system, say, is the most of it, this notion of a credo, my core beliefs. Once you vet all of those, then you make a decision. This is my right thing to do. It's the best I can do. And then you have to act on it. And uh, I, I really believe this is what makes an extraordinary human being, whether you go through each of those four steps very carefully or whether you've just kind of learned to do that we're vetting something when we're deciding what's the right thing to do. And character, particularly courage in the context of character, which is an acquired strength, re courage requires that you understand what is the right thing to do. 
And then you have to act on it. And both of those can be very, very tough to deal with. So uh, I'll stop there. And I'm sure you have a lot of questions, but I thought we'd get those notions on the table before we start talking about specific situations. This is Tom Laura. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We're with world-renowned human performance psychologist, Dr. Jim Lair. Yeah, I starting out, uh, I mean, we can have false assumptions as well, right? I mean, there are there's courage to do bad things and there's courage to do good things. How do you, I mean, that that provides kind of an ethical issue. Well, it all gets into the ethics issue. That's why courage. That's why courage is just the idea that the the guys played with great courage on the basketball team or on the football team today. What, what does that mean? I'm not sure in the context of what is the noble mission, what are their values. Um, it's interesting, but I would call that a performance character strength, and it doesn't necessarily mean it might be um, – some form of perform, I mean, of a competitive character, but character in the purest sense, which I think is what we're talking about here, which is a core strength in any human being. Um, because if you're, you don't have courage, as I said in the beginning, there's a great cost to you and to others if you don't have the courage to do the right thing. And there can be a great cost to do the right thing. And we'll do some situations here that I'll give some examples of how both of these can work and how if we can just raise people's awareness of how much courage are they actually showing and what are the two steps? One is assessing what's the right thing to do and then having the courage to actually act on it. And we'll come back and talk about that after the break. We're with Jim Lair. You can listen to this show and past shows on all popular podcast platforms or by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. Subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any future shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. Today, we're with the retired chairman and CEO and co-founder of J&J's Human Performance Institute, Dr. Jim Lair. So, you gave we've set the foundation, um, you know. And I was thinking about, and at some to some extent, I think is courage relative, uh, or is it absolute? Well, I guess it depends on which side of the equation you're on. Um, if I watch someone else and I say, "Boy, that took a lot of courage," but from the inside that they were working on, they may disagree with you, and the line might be uh, a little bit blurry at times. So. One of the things that people struggle with in this area of courage, do you have to have you have to be facing fear and then overcome fear? But um, you know, it's very possible that um, you know, you don't have a great deal of fear for yourself. Maybe you're fearing for the consequences of other people. And the no and the mission you see is very noble because you really want to do the right thing for others, uh, which is really dictated by your own values. And but you don't have a lot of fear for yourself. What you're fearing for is if you make this decision and you do this, it might have really, really difficult consequences for others. You know, in the military, let's say you have someone who's been trained to constantly, um, you know, not think about their own 
um, you know, survival and to be worried. They're fighting for others. That's what they've been trained to do. And to, most importantly, for their buddies in the trenches with them. And let's say someone lobs in a grenade and instantly one of the um, young men or women dives on the grenade and dies. And it literally was an instantaneous response. And this was something that is so deeply ingrained that they would do anything for their fellow soldiers and to protect them. And even for folks that they don't know that well, this is kind of what their mission is, is to protect particularly those that can't protect themselves. So is that a, is, was that an act of courage? Well, almost everyone would say it is, but maybe he didn't have a lot of fear. He saw the grenade and instantly he acted. And in the military, you train so religiously, so hard that your training actually takes over when you're under duress. Sometimes fear will, you know, really overwhelm you, but Great training actually helps you to just follow your training and do what you've been trained to do. So it's really interesting how much courage is involved in that. Maybe courage going into the military, courage facing your drill instructor, who's the drill instructor from hell, hell week and the Navy SEAL community and on and on. You know, might be a lot of incredible courage, personal courage to keep pushing. What's the mission? If it's all about you, you won't make it. But if you're doing it for your country to actually be a better human being and make a greater contribution in the world, that's an act of courage. So you have two things, your values, and you're continuing to put yourself in harm's way. You're acting in accordance with something that you deeply hold dear. And so if you're just going joining one of these elite military groups to be a stud or to be a star and to put another um, medal on your chest, it's like those folks don't survive. They just don't because and that is not real courage. So um, it's really interesting. It's it's not, as I said, it's a multidimensional construct that has so many different areas to it. But it's so critical, a strength and asset for all of us as human beings. We have to develop it, and it's learned, and it's learned in the earliest years of childhood where parents are constantly talking about doing the right thing. My mom used to tell me that all the time. What's the right thing to do here, James? And I would say, well, she says, think about it. Think about it, what's the right thing to do here? And I would tell her and she says, now go do it. And that was my early training um, in courage to think about what's the right thing and then to actually execute. So we had a guest, uh, Steve Friend, who was a special agent for the FBI, who was taken off of work that he was doing with regards to the exploitation of children and Washington put him on to tracking down people who attended the uh, Capitol event on January 6th. And he saw one after another protocol and rule being violated by the people in Washington. 
And he went up the ladder to try and alert people to the fact that he's been deployed to something that was different from what uh, they really wanted him to do. And he became a whistleblower. And I was curious where uh, the courage to be a whistleblower came from. And he said it was his mother. And his mother said the same thing to him that she said to your mother said to you. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes back to that notion of developing an internal sense of the right thing to do and then having the courage. And when you become a whistleblower, sometimes your entire career, if you're a whistleblower for the IRS and you've really found what might be considered to be illegal, maybe fraudulent activities on the inside against certain groups and you blow the whistle, that organization could be turned against you and it may destroy your economic viability. You may even go to prison and very unjustly, but you have acted in a way that was consistent with your own, but there might be a huge cost associated with it. In politics, this drives me crazy, but we've had a fair number of politicians go through the Institute and I've spent a lot of time talking with them and two years in politics, no matter who you are, you might be the best and the brightest and you're elected by your constituents. But when you're there, you realize you are expected to play ball. And if you don't kind of maybe vote the way in which um, the the party dictates that you vote, um, there could be huge ramifications for you. I mean, really costly. And yet when you came into politics, you told your constituents, this is what you intend to do. But now you have to vote in this particular way. And if you don't, you become ostracized. You will be out of politics. You will probably be bankrupt because they're going to find ways. And you might talk about it in the context of extortion of some kind. But there is an enormous fight to show courage. And if you show courage, there might be a massive cost to you and your family. And a lot of these young men and women that I have had an opportunity to talk with, they often collapsed and said, well, I'm going to vote the party line, even though I don't agree with it, which is actually inconsistent with what i portrayed to my constituents that I would do, but I'm doing it for my family because I don't want them to suffer the consequences of being thrown out of Washington, of losing my job and maybe being disgraced and on and on. And there can be some pretty lethal ways of getting people to do the, to vote in certain ways or to act in certain ways. So they believe they were noble because they were fighting for their families. That was their way out. But I really believe that in their heart, when you ask them what was the right thing to do, they would have done what you just suggested. They would become a whistleblower and say, wait a minute, I don't believe that, and I'm willing to take the consequences, um, however dire they might be. And um, it really is, it's a conundrum. And if you don't have a well-established personal credo, a mother, a father that helped build that really powerful kind of stepping stone into that strength, you probably will fold and very easily get tempted into areas that you when one day you wake up and go, 
how the heck did I get here? How did I end up in this situation? Well, let's, we're going to have to come back and talk about that. We're going to have to take a short break. We're with our guest mentor, Jim Lair. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. Today, we're with retired chairman and CEO and co-founder of J&J's Human Performance Institute, Dr. Jim Lehrer. If you're listening to this show on your favorite podcast platform, please scroll down and give us a five-star review to help others find us. So we were talking about, um, and I want to switch gears just slightly, the importance of parents. And that really comes, I think, to the heart of one of the, the points that we wanted to make is the importance. But what do we do in a world where you have so many single parents uh fathers are absent from the family uh fortunately they may have a good mother maybe not i mean we live in a very chaotic time uh for people to learn because uh, it comes from modeling i would imagine as a child well from your mother telling you but uh, modeling as well well from my experience you're 100 percent right tom that uh, the most important learning um for all these important character strengths, such as kindness, humility, such as honesty and integrity and so forth, all of that comes from modeling most importantly. You can't really teach something you never show yourself to the world. So if you really wanna help develop this in adulthood for those that you care about, you've got to, you've got to be what you want others to learn. I spent a lot of time looking at, you know, it's like the role that parents have just in your inner private voice, which takes you into that inner chamber where these values are accessed, um, beliefs. And we learned that the way in which your parents speak to you will one day be their public voice will one day become your private voice. And it's really kind of scary as a parent, is this the voice you want inside the head of your children? And that voice needs to have a powerful spiritual, ethical, moral component. What is the right thing to do here? And do you have the courage to act on it once you decide? And the most important part of that is an awareness as an adult, I don't have it, but I don't want my kids to follow in this way. And so I'm going to act in different ways to them and help them understand what a critical stake in the ground this is for having a truly successful life. So, and you're tested a million ways from Sunday. Or, you know, every day you're tested. And if you don't have that strength, you know, it's the consequences can be tragic. So you have a company and you're your safety, very powerful safety policy because there's a lot of risk. And you witness someone violating the safety policy in a very, very egregious way. And you know that if you report this the way it actually happened to your supervisor, they will lose their job. In all likelihood, if you do that and they lose their job because he's very well liked or she is, you'll be labeled as a traitor as a spy. And then if you don't do it, if you don't report it, how do you justify this in your own mind that if someone now gets hurt because you didn't report it, 
So you're going to have to work through that minefield. And uh, the, the it's not easy. And this is how you want your children to be thinking and work out the solutions before they get to adulthood and figure out how to maneuver through this. And you're really, you made a comment earlier um, in our program, and that was, our minds can fool us. Um, our, you know, our, as I've said many times, our brains are fiction-making machines. So we make up crap just to make it okay so we don't have the conflict. And we have to catch ourselves, say, wait a minute, that's all, that's all convenient for me, but it's not really what the essence of what's going on here. So, I mean, I have countless situations where this strength of character that we call courage is called into action. And if we don't have it, the consequences, whether it's in the military, whether it's in politics, uh, whether it's in business, um, and whether it's in sports, the consequences can be really tragic. So, by the for my audience, we're talking with Jim Lair, a well-known uh, human performance psychologist. So, one of the things you and I have talked about in the past is regrets. Yeah. And as life goes on, uh, and I'm of an age where I'm around a lot of people, and uh, there are a lot of people that have a lot of regrets, it would seem to me by not doing the right thing, somewhere down the line, that would lead to regret. And I guess, and I, as I've learned, we got small regrets, and then we got these gigantic regrets. Could you talk a little bit about downstream, the price we pay for not exercising courage? Yeah, you raise a really, really great point, Tom. Um, so if you relive your life, let's say you've made you made some decisions, you made um, a decision based on the information around the facts that you had, and uh, you accessed your empathy circuit, you know, what um, you know, your compassion circuit, is it sometimes called? Um, you really, your heart, what does your heart say? And you did that. And so you have your facts, you have your heart, you have your intuitions, and what does your gut tell you? And then what do your values tell you here? And you've done that, and then you go out and you make your decision and act accordingly. And it took a lot of courage to do this. And it ended up in a catastrophic outcome. So you actually did the vetting. You intentionally did what you said was the right thing to do for you and do, talking about this with yourself and maybe talking about it with others. So when you're at the end of your life or at some point thereafter, you might wish you had different information, but you acted in accordance with your deepest beliefs and the vetting process was as thorough as possible, you might regret it on some level because the cost was so dear. But deep inside you, you're going to have a sense of satisfaction. I did what I believe was the right. And given that same situation again, knowing all that I knew then, not what I know now necessarily, but what I acted on, I would make the same decision. 
but I have had the opportunity to work with a lot of people who have deep regrets because they didn't really vet it properly. And they made mistakes that were tragic for them and maybe others. And they never really thought about what the consequences might be. And all of a sudden they wake up and now they have deep regrets. So I think the most important thing is that we take responsibility by looking at all the assets that can help us make the right decision and then live with that decision, act on it, and then say, wait a minute. And there might be ways of maneuvering around a little bit. There might be some avenues. Maybe we can compromise a little bit. We, we talk about this in a safety meeting that we witnessed it, but we really didn't give the name and try to elevate everybody's awareness. So you still feel like you have done what you're supposed to do, but the consequence really wasn't that this young man or woman lost their job because it was their first offense, even though the rules are pretty straight. So we're, we're gonna have to cut, we're gonna come back to that where this is Tom Laurie, we're with uh, our guest mentor, Jim Lair. This is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. We're with uh, Dr. Jim Lair, and we're talking about the cost of courage. So, I mean, regrets, I'm of an age where I see a lot like you do. You say you have a lot of people with all these regrets, and uh, that's not where you want to be. As a matter of fact, we've seen and heard and read about people who have made uh, bad decisions and ended up committing suicide uh, at various ages uh, from things that they've chosen to do. So let's go back. You're a spiritual-oriented individual. Is that that's correct, right? Yes, that's correct. How important does uh, the spiritual uh, part of life play in all of this? Well, again, as a performance psychologist, I had to like pinch myself. How did I end up in that space? We developed what is called the performance pyramid, and at the base of it was, you know, your physical abilities and talent and taking care of the physical body. And then the emotional was the next step where you have to summon the right emotions to do extraordinary things and challenge as opposed to being afraid or fearful. And then mentally, you have to be able to focus on the moment. You have to bring your right energy. You have to get the right conversation going in your head, mindset. Um, and that's a pyramid going to the top. And the more important the issue was to performance, sustained high performance, the closer to the top it got. And at the very top was the spiritual dimension, which is the dimension of purpose, of values, of beliefs. And if a person doesn't, we learn that that is maybe the biggest and most important. If you don't have a purpose for living, what you're going to have is chaos will reign. If you don't have a purpose for today, if you just walk around, you don't really, we are a purpose-driven species for sure. And so not only do we have to have the right purpose, but um, it has to be our own. We have to really own it. And that's a, it's not like the discovery of a prize in a treasure hunt. It's like you create it out of your experience. And the more you really get, that's the core of your credo, and that becomes the most important asset you have for making sure that you have the courage to live the life that you really want to live and not have big regrets at the end. 
And uh, where I came to know you was through a book called The Power of Story many years ago. And that gets at living your purpose and not somebody else's purpose. And I highly recommend it for people that want to sort that out a little bit more. It's a beautiful book. And that's what uh, I learned a great deal about Jim through that book and then led to other things that I've read. Anyways, we've only got a couple of minutes. Do you want to close with any final thoughts for people and, and focus maybe a little bit more on how we can develop, uh, do a better job in developing courage? And we got about a minute and a half left. So let's just make sure that everyone understands that courage is not something you're born with. You develop it. And if you're a parent, make sure that your kids understand that courage is something that is developed and you're practicing it every day. And the things you have to have are two, are two really essential elements. One, an ability to determine what is the right thing to do for you. And that's your mother and my mother really, you know, kind of got that stable, very critical aspect of who I was, Jim Lair, established in the very early years of my life. And then you have to have the courage to act on it. So we need to be able to understand that every decision we make, we're going to try to get to what's the right thing for me. What are the facts? What does my heart say? What does my gut say? And what are my deepest values and sense of purpose say? We put all that together, then we make a decision, then we act on it. And the more we do that, the better we get. And the more at peace we are because we're aligning our life and our energy with what we determine to be the most important dimension of who we are. And, and character. We're gonna have to, we're, that's going to be it. We're out of time. What a great okay. discussion. I Thank you very much for joining us. Our guest mentor today has been the retired chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Johnson & Johnson's Human Performance Institute, world-renowned human performance psychologist, Dr. Jim Lahr. Thanks, Jim, for being with us today. If you want to order any of the books that were mentioned today or missed any of the show, you can find links on our website, thementorsradio.com, thementorsradio.com, or on your favorite podcast platform. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember, be all you can be and keep the candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.